And so I'm excited tonight to kind of continue and just with that little note that God's heart is perfect to talk to you specifically about the revelations that God has been giving me about, about fatherhood and his heart for me. And that's the crazy thing. You become a father and all of a sudden, when you, you think of the heavenly father, it's like, whoa. It's completely different. My mind has been completely warped. My faith will never be the same now. All you guys need to go have kids right now. So you can just, no, no. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that from the late nights that, that I'm saving you the pains of having children prematurely so you can understand the father's heart for me a little bit more. We'll try that together. So I'm going to share a few of them. Uh, there's three that are really close to my heart. We'll see how we're doing on time. Maybe we'll cover a little bit more. But, but these are the, are the three essentials. The first revelation of the father's heart for me was his attention. The God that is heaven, that we think is so distant, so far removed. His attention over you is remarkable. There is not a single thing that passes in your life. There's not a single thought that happens in your life. There's not a single need that you have that is a stranger to him. It's amazing when this child comes into this world at that point, we've been praying for her. We've been like looking forward to meeting her. When she's here, you are watching every little breath. You know, it's crazy. If she naps a little too long, like we go and we check in to see if she's still alive. You know, like that's how like crazy we were like watching her. We just bought like the most expensive video monitor like in the world so that like anywhere within like a thousand mile radius, like we can watch our baby, you know, like it's infrared. It shows us like the temperature. It has like this little like volume thing that shows us like a, a meter how much she's crying and moving. Like I can probably take her blood pressure from this video monitor, you know? And it comes from a heart that, that I have every single eye of my existence watching her. I delight in watching her. There's not a single thing of her life that is not in the forefront of my mind. I'm here to tell you that there's not a single thing in your life that is absent from the Father's heart. I used to joke about like really saved people who kind of heard from God before I really came in tune with like the voice of God in my life that, you know, they had a red phone to God. You know, like in the White House, like there's like a, oh, there's always a red phone, right? You know, it's like to call the nukes on or something or like if you ever need to get to hold the president, there's like some red phone that rings in his office, you know? And that's how I always looked at like talking to God. I was like, well, that guy's got the red phone, you know? And it, it's crazy because we don't need to think that God is so objectively gone and absent. He is here. You don't need any equipment. You don't need any special training. You don't need to be saved enough to have God hear you. Why do we think that we need to cry out for God to hear us? It's amazing that if, if this is the level of attention and concern I have for every whim of my daughter, how much more, if I'm wicked, if I'm in the flesh, if I'm fallen, how much more the Father over me? and you. It's crazy. But I think that we, we, we think he's so far removed that we don't even try to communicate with him. We think there's such a distance that we have to, you know, hello God, yeah, remember me, you know, like Christian number 7,433,000,000, you know, like you, 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 you give God an identity of like a boss or an angry father or maybe an angry wife or I don't know, like you, you, you think it's so far removed. But I, I'm so just baffled by his attention, his awareness of exactly where we are at all the time. You never need to catch God up on the details. Isn't that awesome? The first thing that God will say to you is like, I know, totally know. 
He'll probably say, I know, right? You know, he'll, he'll give like in our own words. Check out Matthew 10. It says this, and I'll just read it to you. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father? Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? Pennies, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. It's amazing that he's saying that there's these things that are just, they're so insignificant, but I'm aware of them. My daughter's number one fear is abandonment. It's funny how things don't change. Isn't, like, if we're honest, isn't like the number one fear for us like is abandonment? To be alone, to be forgotten, to be left out? It's amazing because because I know that fear and yet I'm right there. She's crying because she thinks that she's about to be, my wife says, to be eaten by a wolf, you know? And, but I'm right, right here, she's like in my arms. I'm like, no, no, just open your eyes. I'm, I'm holding you, there's nothing that will hurt you, I promise. I'm right here. But we're like that though. We're like that with God, we have no concept that we are in the palm of his hand. We are fully known by him. He's always watching. And it's great because you know, Scarlett has no idea I'm watching her and she'll be in her crib and she's crying, which she cries a lot. And I'll be, I'll be watching her and she'll cry and sometimes she'll settle down. If she's really like not calming down, sometimes I'll just put like a hand on her and just give her a little shush. And just that little presence, that awareness puts her back to sleep. I want you to open the ears of your heart to take an awareness of the eternal God in and around you that he is that God who's looking right over. You don't need to catch him up. You don't need to give, give him a big spiel. The Bible even kind of jokes about this in Matthew 6, 8. It says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And the, the verse before that, it says like, don't use so many words when you pray like the pagans. Like it's like almost a sense that you're wasting God's time. You're insulting him that he has no clue what's going on. He knows what you need before you even ask him. I know exactly when my daughter needs to sleep, when she needs to eat all those things before she does. She's crying and like, I know, we have everything ready for you. Why don't we come over and eat? And that's how the Father is for us. Before we open our mouth, he knows every last detail. He knows exactly what we need. And I love it because Scarlett is convinced that she needs to remind us. She needs to like remind us that we're hungry. It's like, really? We've only been feeding you like nine times a day for the past six weeks. You, you think we forgot? We didn't forget. We're always thinking, we're always preparing. We, we arrange our life around the details so that she has every single thing met. Are you guys with me? God is making sure that, that he knows every single thing about you. He is ready to meet every single need you have. But I think that the tragedy we have is we, we think that, that he is far off, not paying attention, not listening. Then we, we come and we feel that there's like this distance and he's like, I'm here all along. We need to be in tune with his eternal presence. And this verse makes so much more sense to me now. Isaiah 49, 15 says this, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. A woman who's like, has a child on the boob and forgets the child. He's like, that will happen before I forget you. All new meeting. <laughs> Let me 
we're so, I can't believe civilization has like survived given like the challenges of like breastfeeding and things like nipple confusion. I never even knew that word existed before I got into like having a child. Like, whatever. That's not part of the message, but it's amazing. The point is like this, you will not forget, if you are a mother, you will not forget the child who's like draining life out of you and everything around it. Okay. But it's amazing. So you guys got that. So God's awareness, his attention for you is indescribable. I'm not going to beat this one in the, in the ground. Here's a good one. Get ready to say amen because this one's going to get you. You guys ready? The next thing is God has been revealing to me the revelation of the relationship between love and trust. There is a divine connection that the eternal God has between love and trust with us. You guys ready? I might offend some of you guys right now. It is unreasonable for me. My, my daughter turns six weeks old tomorrow. And I'm honest that it is unreasonable for me to assume that she has a love relationship with me. She doesn't love me right now. I'm okay with that. My daughter doesn't love me right now. She only knows that I exist right now. And she's in the progress of trusting me. And I'm totally okay with that. Many of us, and this is our, our journey, is that we, we, we come to the knowledge of God. We, we know that he exists. We hear of Jesus. Okay, that's one part. Maybe we're looking at the Bible, and, and we, we look at, okay, I know the, the factual knowledge that there's a God, but, but if we're honest, it's not reasonable for us to assume that when we come to a relationship with Jesus, we instantly love him. People feel burdened. Well, I just don't feel love. It's okay. I now understand that God is totally okay with where we're at because it is premature for my daughter to love me right now with where she's at. She's just coming into the world. She came in the world not knowing, not trusting anything. Came out screaming like a ball of fire. And it, the nurses are so sharp because what they do is they like kick everybody out and they like lay the baby on mom. And they, they are so specific, like it's milliseconds before baby's on mom because they want to establish that this is the voice, is the heartbeat, is the sound, is the smell of mom. And no one should get in the way and confuse that at all. It's the, the most important connection the baby can make. It's crazy. And so for like several hours, it's just us. And mostly just me, like they're like trying not to pass out, like watching this baby, you know. But it is unreasonable to think that Scarlett loves me yet. And I'm completely okay with it because we are in a process. And here's the process. This could be, if you get nothing else tonight, just know this process. That we as human beings, as Christians, we are going from knowledge to trust, then to love, and then to intimacy. You and I, in our Christian faith, we are, are somewhere in that journey. We talk about the importance of intimacy. But the, the progress goes from knowledge, comes from belief, comes from faith. Are you with me? To trust, yes, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I place my faith in you. I believe who you said you are. Next to God, I love you. I begin to interact with you. I hear your voice and you hear mine. I love you. And then next to abiding. That is the journey that all of us are on. But we're just at different points. The world is at different points. And by default, I think that God knows, he understands where we are in that journey, in that process. 
And it's, it's awesome because what my heart did when she came into the world, knowing that she doesn't know anybody, she doesn't trust anything, my entire hard focus was to make myself known to her. I'm dad. I'm your dad. My entire focus is, I don't, I don't need to throw a pity party that my daughter doesn't love me. How, how lame would it be up here if I'm like, oh, my daughter doesn't love me, you know? And she's like, dude, she's six weeks. Like, you know, she's not even pooping on her own hardly, you know? But I'm okay with it. And I have understanding for it. Because I know that, that she's coming to knowledge that I am dad, I am father. And that when she is with me, she can trust me. And from that, she will love me. But everything on my heart is to make myself known. And I would completely agree that everything in the entire kingdom is here for you to know that God is trying to make himself known to you. It doesn't matter if you're saved or not. The entire universe is to make himself known to you so that you will then trust him. We don't trust God by default. We don't trust anything by default. And it's okay. Because I believe that God's reputation, I believe God really has a heart that says, I'm in this for the long haul. I know you don't trust me now, but just wait. Just keep your eyes open. Just, just wait. See that I'm trustworthy. And the, the truth of this is that love and trust are inseparable. Love and trust are completely inseparable. You cannot love something you cannot trust. Can I get an amen? You cannot love something you cannot trust. I don't care what you say. You cannot love something you cannot trust. And I even heard from just someone recently, they've been saved for like nine centuries, like one of the, like the most mature Christians, you know, mature Christians I know. Like, and they're just struggling with like, oh, what do I do and life isn't working out how I want and all these things and you know, blaming God and is God, you know, this. And she's like, I know God is good, I just don't know if I can trust him. Bull crap. You, you cannot in the same voice say, I don't know if I can trust God and say, God, I love you. You cannot love something you cannot trust. Why? Because the opposite of trust is fear. The opposite of trust is fear, at least it is with God. Now you might say, well, I love such and such family member, but I don't trust them, right? You're like, that sounds like something like, you're all thinking that, right? But the difference is, is that you can have character attributes that are not trustworthy. When we say mistrust relating to somebody else, they, they can have attributes that are not trustworthy, and that's fine. But God's character, his entire existence is trustworthy. He is love by very nature. His character is that he is trustworthy. He is who he says he is. God either is exactly who he said he is in the Bible. We can either trust the word, and we can say that, yes, you are all of this, or you're none of it. Are you with me? that God is either everything he said he is or he's none of it. If there's any part of you that says, I don't know if I can fully trust God, you don't trust him at all, you don't love him at all. If that offends you, I'm sorry. But you cannot love something you cannot fully trust. You will walk through the behaviors and, and, and manipulate yourself to go through love actions, but you know in your heart you are just abiding, you are following rules. Imagine if someone kidnapped you Maybe this is a little bit easier for girls to understand. Some guy kidnaps you by force and commands you to love him. 
He steals you, takes you away from a family. Maybe he takes you away from a husband and a family and kids and a home and takes you out to a far land, far removed, no communication, nobody to reach out. No one will ever save you. And he's commanding you to love him. Are you going to love him? No. Why would we expect anybody to love a God who's not trustworthy? Why would we expect ourselves to love a God who's capricious, who changes his mind? God is either exactly who he says he is in all complete picture or he's none of it. We need to come to a decision that we either serve a God that's fully who he says he is or we don't. Your trust and your love is based on that. If you don't believe that, it's impossible, I promise you, to love God. At least how love is really intended, and that's what we talked about last week. Because within the obligation to love is manipulation. Within following the rules is manipulation. I look at, <clears throat> excuse me, my, my daughter growing up. And it'd be so easy for me to begin to plot the rules, to dig the moat, to build the castle, you know? It'd be so easy, like I can get there, like I'm creative, I got Dave, he's an engineer, like we can build a tower that she'll never get out of, you know? <laughs> or a chastity belt that can never be broken, you know? One of those kinds of extreme things that would get you like in the news. <clears throat> It'd be so easy for me to say, I'm going to manage my daughter's behavior. I'm gonna manage her love. I'm gonna manage her sin. <clears throat> I'm gonna manage her safety. I'm gonna do all those things. And if you want a, a more revelation on this topic, read Loving Our Kids on Purpose because the whole premise is that the, the agreement with following a, a path of righteousness, of following holiness, is not about rules, but it's about guarding the intimacy of the heart. I don't cheat on my, let me be careful here, whenever I'm using those two words together. I don't, I don't not cheat on my wife because I'm not supposed to. I'm faithful to my wife because I love her and our hearts are intimate. There's no other woman I want to be with in the world, period. None. And there's no other man that she wants to be with, period. We have an intimacy that guards our behavior, are you with me? There's an intimacy that you have with God that will guard your behavior. You don't not sin because it's bad. You don't sin because you love and you know to hurt the Father. I hope that, that my daughter's whole entire life, her behavior, when she goes into the world and has free choice, because she's going to have that day, that she decides the decisions of her life based on the knowledge and the intimacy of my heart. Of knowing, whoa, that would hurt Dad. It's not about choice. It's not about right and wrong. It's about that hurts dad because he's looking out for me. And shouldn't that be the mentality that each of us have about our own life? I'm not going to do this because that would hurt dad. Not because some stack of dead trees says don't do this. You can't read an encyclopedia and fall in love with the object of the encyclopedia. What I said last week is a love letter only has its power when you know the heart that wrote it. My wife would write love letters back and forth to each other when we're traveling, we're gone from each other. You hang on every word. You're like, look, did she add like two hearts or one heart when she dotted the eye, you know, or, or little things like that. Did she spray it with perfume? Like so nerdy, like fourth grade kind of level stuff that totally makes sense when you're like in an intimate relationship with another heart. It's the heart. Knowing the heart is what gives it purpose and significance, and it's what guards our behavior. 
If you're in 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 16. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. This is where last week, remember, we talked about that we try and get so consumed with the love that, you know, this person has for us or that person. And we attach all of our significance of love to somebody else, something else. And scripture is saying that we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. It says, God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. <clears throat> By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Are you with me? The one who fears is not perfected in love because fear involves punishment. If you don't trust God, you, you fear him and you fear his punishment. It's not that you're just not sure if, if God is good. If you're like, I'm not sure God is good, you're really fighting the lie that God is mean and God is bad. And God is out to, to fight you and to, to come after you. He's keeping record of wrong. That is what is in your heart. And by definition, because God is love, he is unchanging, he is perfect, he is worthy of your trust. Lock, stock, and barrel, the whole package, every single word of the Bible is who he is. We rest on that trust so that we may love him. Remember, we go from knowledge of him to trusting him to loving him. And when we read the, the scriptures that we have the mind of Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The old self is gone, the new has come. I am God's temple, his spirit dwells within me. Hebrews 1, in the old days God talked to prophets, but now he talks to us. The intimate God, there's no longer a tabernacle. We need to go to find God. He is in us. When we look at that, we have to trust that. We have to believe that and believe that we are in a life communication with God. That, when coupled with knowledge and trust, is where we get love because now we have a relationship. Now we're not trying to learn about God. Now we're not trying to learn how to not sin. Young adult ministry, like what we're all in, I swear every other organization in the world thinks that this generation, this kind of group is all about managing your sin. It is. It's like, how do we keep all these like 18 to 30, you know, people not from sleeping together or not from drinking? You know, that's our strategy, you know. We'll like entertain them a little bit, but just as long as they're not doing that, you know. No way. I don't, I'm not settling for that. I respect you guys too much because God didn't put an age limit on when he can talk to you. He didn't put an expiration date on when suddenly the, the, the feeling of God in your heart expires. He never promised you all these like mountaintop experiences every single day and when that's gone, that you don't know where God is. God left me, God didn't leave you. Hearing God's voice is not about listening harder, it's about silencing all the competing voices in your, your heart and your ears. If you wanna hear God's voice, you need to tune out all the other junk that is screaming for your heart because that's the battle for you right now is the heart. And the battle is will you trust God or is it no, I don't think God is that trustworthy. And the moment you begin to go down that road, you begin to cut off the ability to recognize God's voice. Because Satan is, is never like, Joe, this is Satan. 
And this is what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't do that. Like, you know, he never announces himself. And so we need to be in awareness that, that we have to be able to tune out all the competing voices, all the competing things that, that buzz and tune in to the voice because God's always speaking. He's always got something to say. He's always moving. He's always trying to affirm who you are. He's always trying to tell you what he thinks about you. That's the other thing is, is God is always in a good mood. Always. Where did we get this idea that God's like throwing lightning bolts and keeping score charts and all those things? God is always in a good mood all the time. It says he, he, he sings over you and, and delights over you with dancing. God is always in a good mood about you all the time. His heart will break for you. And you'll be restored by the intimacy of his heart, but that can never come if you do not have a love relationship with him that fosters intimacy. And you can't have either of those unless you get the trust. And you can't have either of those unless you come to the knowledge that his word is legit. He is who he said he is. Amen? You want proof? Numbers 23:19 says this. I'm sorry, I don't think we have this one up here. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should ever change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Let me give that to you again. God is not a man. God is not you and I. We're prone to blow it. We're prone to, to cheese out and to have character attributes that prove themselves to be not trustworthy. God is not that, that he should lie. Nor son of man that he should change his mind. God will never change his mind. Do you believe it? And he says, does he not speak and not act? Does he not promise and not fulfill? God's word is God's word. He's not you and I. He's deserving of your trust. He's deserving of every single thing of your heart to put it all into that basket. And he's okay with where you're at. Maybe you're like, I'm not sure if I, I feel love for God right now. And he's okay with that. But there's a journey there that you're on from knowledge to trust to love to intimacy. And if you're like, man, I want the intimacy. I want the love. I want all those things. Love, love's intimacy will always be restricted by fear. Love's intimacy, its only hurdle is fear. There is no intimacy where there's fear. If you take one thing from tonight, there is no intimacy where there is fear. Next, is a revelation of our expected maturity. The revelation of our expected maturity, if you flip back a few books, we're gonna jump into Hebrews 5. You guys doing okay? Miss you, Jerome. Sorry, buddy. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need for, again, for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. He's talking to believers. He's like, really? You've, been, you've known God for all this time? You should be in the pulpit right now. Really? Like, th th this is where you're, th this is like a reality check. 
Like out of all the things that you have done, out of all the ways that God has revealed himself, out of all the prophetic words and all the, the, the awesome revelation he's given, and now all of a sudden you, you're, you're back and you're like, well, I just don't know if God's really good. I don't know if he really exists. I have a lot of questions. I, I've been talking to all these people recently that, that go off to, to um, you know, different schools. They kind of leave or whatever. And, the, and, you know, they're like, I'm just, you know, really questioning a lot of things. Like, oh gosh, like, really? It's just, a, it's a reason not to have an opinion. God is like opinionated, and so should we be. And God's saying, you've known me. You've experienced me. You have tasted me. You need to be capable of sharing that with somebody else. Every one of us are teachers. I don't care if you've been saved for two and a half seconds. Every one of us are teachers of God by the way we live and by what we say. Everyone's a teacher, but it's just a question of what you're teaching. Are you with me? So the word and God's presence shows us that we become teachers as as we come into relationship with him. And and the word is saying, by now, you should be teachers of the law. You should be teachers of God. You should be able to to walk somebody all the way through this part of their, their area of life and show them God's heart and his voice and all those things. Like, what on earth is going on? What does he say? And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Let me break this down for you. Just like baby Scarlet, she's moving from I don't know who on earth you are to I think you might be my dad, You're my dad. I don't trust you at all, so I'm going to scream my head off. Hmm, I kind of trust you. Hopefully, too, I trust you. (laughs) Be awesome. Hopefully, to one day, I love you. I will come literally probably with bells on my my body, like when she does that into the next epic life. So I'm waiting for that day. I'm, I'm like hoping, expecting that to happen. And she's going in that same entire journey from breast milk and milk and whatever I'm not supposed to say breast and message, <laughs> to, to solid food. Eventually, we'll introduce carrots and all sorts of gross things that sound disgusting. But apparently, Ashley Lauks, where are you, Ashley? Did you sneak out? She likes baby food. Like, for real. She's like, I think it tastes good. It's like, oh. but, but there's a journey that she, that Scarlet is on, that she is going from milk, which is the only thing her stomach can handle right now, that's the only thing that she physically can handle over to solid food. And all of us are on the same journey. That whole little infant picture, crying, poopy diapers, all those things, it it applies to all of us in every sense of the way. I could talk just about poopy diapers all night, about how it relates to our spiritual walk with God, but I don't want to gross you out for like 30 minutes. He's saying that, that you need to go from milk to solid food. And do you, do, you, do you catch at the end there? It says, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. There's maturity that comes through your life and through understanding God as we mature so that we can discern good and evil. Several weeks ago, we were talking about discerning the spirits. There are more than just one spirit, the spirit of God. There's a, there's a war for your mind going on right now. 
maybe even the second there's a war going on. And, and, and we're in a battle where we have to discern. But if we are still stuck having the milk, if we're still stuck as little babes in Christ, we will have a difficulty discerning from good and evil. Are you with me? If we want to discern from good and evil, if we want to discern from the spirit of God versus the spirit of the enemy and all the crazy things that are out there that try and wage war against us, we don't wage war against flesh and blood, we wage war against principalities of darkness. There is a war. And if we want to have any skin in the game to give a pushback, if we want to have any victory, we need to be able to decide which team are we on. We needed, we needed to know, like, the enemy's that way. Because we can, we can hurt each other by misinterpreting the word, by not trusting God. So Christians, in all due respect, can be some of the most harmful people in the world. Because they have the dangerous knowledge of God, they'll toss out things like the will of God, the word of God, the heart of God, those things, and they'll use it in ways that are completely against God's heart, that completely are against his purposes. Did you ever notice that Satan, when he's talking to Jesus and he's tempting him, he's using the word of God? And even Satan says, go throw yourself off this temple. Satan used scripture to talk Jesus into suicide. Are you with me? That there is such a fine line where there is a, a, an imperative for us to move from milk to solid food, to be able to discern the war that we're in. And you're either swimming upstream or you're going downstream. You're either winning or you're losing. And some days we have days where we get our, our butts whipped. But the worst thing is to be blindfolded and be beaten from every direction. How, how on earth would you be able to defend yourself if you are blindfolded and you have no idea how many people are in the room and what weapons they have? I'm telling you, the more that you put your, your mind and your heart into this word, you believe it for truth, you apply it, you, you come into a loving relationship with the king, it brings teeth, it gives you weapons. It gives you the answer to give back to the enemy. Because Jesus didn't fight, he didn't like start a fist fight, he just answered the word of God. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is like, nice try. You wonder if like, Jesus like spiked a football, you know, with like all those ways that he defeated the enemy. I love it when, when you can counter the enemy with the word of God. That's all he needed to do. It's amazing. But we have to trust the word of God. We're not even enough to, just, to know we need to trust it. And I think that in, in looking at going from milk to solid food, intimacy is the solid food. Milk is the, I'm still in the stage where I'm trying to figure out if God exists, which is totally okay. God has total grace for that. But you need to ask yourself, how long have you come into the knowledge, into the presence? How long has you, has, have you signed your heart to the king? How long has that been? And where are you at? Are, are, you, are you still like, man, I just need to take it really slow. I just need to like, just, you know, barely getting past John 3.16. You know, you're like, creeping around the Bible, like I can't like find anything that I, you know, like where are you? Do you have a hunger for more of it? Let, let me like ruin you with like a really awkward image. Imagine a 30 year old breastfeeding in this room. Isn't that weird? I mean for like someone like, I, imagine somebody that's a, a grown adult going to their mom and be like, come on mom. <laughs> Ruined you, huh? It's gross. You're like, that's so unnatural. Oh, it drives me nuts. And like, you know, 
we're like figuring out like how long you breastfeed all these things and we're like seeing like 10 year olds doing it. What? Like really? Like there's gotta be like a awkward socially age barrier you cannot cross. Like, you know, if they're undoing your blouse for you, I think you need to like wean them off <laughs> breastfeeding. So I'm ruining it for you, right? You're like, this is the worst message ever. I wish he would stop talking about boobs. But let that be a reflection on our spiritual journey. Let that be a spiritual reflection about where you are at and your journey with God. Are you that 30-year-old that's just hanging on for the boob? But honestly, like some of us have been in the church for a really long time. And if we're still wrestling with, I gotta find the existence of God and I gotta, you know, I just don't know if he's really good. Can I really trust him with these things? And I, you know, maybe I love him, maybe I don't. You are that person. The 30 year old, you get the idea. I won't do it again. <laughs> I could just beat that in the ground all night long and have a ton of fun doing it. But God, God has, the, the revelation is, is this. Is there's an expectation for our maturity in him. Why? It's not about performance. See, the mind would try and tell us it's all about religion. The mind would tell us it's about having our behavior be better and having our sin decrease. The mind would be telling us all those things and God's heart for you tonight, his revelation is, my end goal is intimacy. My end goal is that our hearts are connected, that our voices are exchanged, that there is unwavering trust between us. That is his end goal. That is the, the solid food. And so God is okay with, with us going through that journey, that progress, but we, we need to have an examination of how are we doing in that progress. I'll tell you, we have the most amazing people in this room. We have people who visit us like all over the place. I met somebody like several weeks ago from the Bay Area. I was like, how'd you hear about us? Like, I came all the way from the Bay Area. Like, why? <laughs> like, Love to have you here, but why are you here? She's like, because I heard about the people. I was like, do you know who told you? I was like, no, I just met them. And they just said, you have to go to Sacramento. You have to find this thing called Epic Life. The people there. How awesome is that? It's like, they say anything about this, the teaching at all? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> and she had no idea who I was. It was great. And I met her afterwards. She's like, oh, that was kind of awkward, you know. But it's awesome because you and I, we are weaning each other off from the milk. We are growing each other. We are challenging each other. The lives, the testimonies, the stories, the way we interact and we, we live life together, the way we're authentic with each other, is we, we pull ourselves into deeper relationship with God. We, we're, we're capable of more. Our hearts are for more. Our hearts are not to give these little softball, like, you know, three steps to, you know, fill in the blank. Our heart is to know the word of God. Our heart is to understand his presence, to steward his presence. Our heart is to experience him week by week. If we are, are reducing our nights down to simply have a simple nugget to take away, and maybe tomorrow you might not forget it, but if you don't sleep with somebody, we'll have declared victory. That is not what I'm settling for. I'm settling for that we come into a relationship with the king. We live transformed lives because the call on us is to transform the world. 
God didn't say, just go out into the next door house. He says that, but I, I've called you the ends of the earth. Do you know that, that our website, our audio and our, our live stream, we have been visited by more than 70 countries? Crazy. What on earth are we doing? We don't have a license for this. And people think, well, you know, oh, God equip me and then calling. The calling's the equipping. God's called you into maturity with him. He will equip you every step of the journey. He's going to use each one of us for that. Are you with me? And one other thing, too. Annoys the snot out of me. Don't be so impressed with your sin. Really? Like, you're like, people come in a relationship with us and they think, oh, man, I've got a, a bad history and, you know, it's really bad, you know. They tell us, we're like, I talked to four people this week with that. Like, come back with something, like, Right? I mean, and people are like expecting like, you know, the dun, dun, dum, you know. Like, stop being so impressed with your sin. Get over it. God's called you to maturity. That's, that's the old you. But, but we govern our behavior. We, we guide our behavior by the intimacy of our heart with his heart because we don't want to hurt dad's heart. And if, if we're still trying to figure out how do I do life a little bit better, how do I follow the rules better, I need to be more disciplined, then we don't have that heart-to-heart -heart relationship. We don't have that intimacy where we're guarding each other's hearts. Are you with me? I need an amen to that. Amen. I'm done. The Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. Do you guys get all that? Yeah. Saving you late nights, rocking baby. Well, I got a lot of you guys in here that come rock a baby at 11 p.m. But I'm so, like, though there, there's challenge, though the, 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 the baby is as difficult at times, and though you're like, oh, Lord, save me. So the revelation he gives us for who we are and his purpose for us is so good. It's so good. And so I just, I just really want you to just take mention in your own heart, where am I in that journey? Where am I in all this? Am, am I aware of his presence? I'm gonna have the band come up. Am I aware of his presence? Is my mind in agreement with who he is, what he says he does, everything he says who he is? Is his character, is it, is it bulletproof? Do I fully, fully believe it? And if I don't believe it, I can't trust it. And you, you can be okay there, but we can pray for you. And God will reveal himself. God is so concerned about revealing himself to you. If you come with an honest heart, saying, God, I'm not quite sure. We have to believe that God who pursues, who pursues us, who reveals himself to us, that he's going to answer that prayer. His word promises it. And so we look at this, we say, God, take me deeper. I want to be off, I want to be off the milk. I want to be in the meat. I want to have the intimate heart connection. Many of you guys are there. It's awesome. I get so encouraged from so many lives of people in here. You bless me so much. Like, I'm just the schmuck with the microphone, right? Any one of you guys should be teachers. But we need to have that, that intimacy. We need to be on that journey. And so I just want us to stand and just pray. I'm going to commit this night and thank the Lord for it.
Lord, we thank you that, God, you've called us not because you were bored. God, you didn't call us because you needed something to do or you needed slaves to, to make silly chants and, and, and sacrifice things to you. Lord, you created us to have a relationship with us. God, you created us so that we would have fellowship with the king. Lord, you said that you adopted us before the creation of the world, before the heavens and the earth were created. God, you had us in mind. God, you're always there. You're always with us. Lord, I pray that as we all together as a community move from knowledge to trust, to love, to intimacy, God, that you just would have grace over us. Lord, you're in a great mood all the time, no matter where we are in that journey, no matter what we think, no matter what we think of ourselves, God, you're always in a great mood calling us forward. So I just pray right now, Lord, just a calling for hearts. I want you all to put your, your hand over your heart. God, call these hearts. God, this heart beats to know the eternal King. This heart was made, was placed in our body, was, was handcrafted. Psalm 139 says, I knit you in your mother's womb. God, you fashioned this heart that it would provide life so that we would know you. God, transform our hearts. God, we just ask for authority over, over the, the hearts of our generation. God, that would try and, and, and convince us otherwise. Lord, your word says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Lord, forgive us for where our hearts have betrayed us, where our own hearts have told us things that are counter to the word of God, that are counter to the heart of the Father. Lord, we ransom our hearts back to you. Lord, we pray that you would speak clearly, that all the competing ideas and voices and things in our heart, Lord, would be silenced and we hear in such a powerful way. Lord, we don't want to be babes in Christ. We want to be face to face with the King. And so as we kill the lights and we worship just for a, a song or two, we'll have people here on the sides, we'll pray and we'll lay hands on you and We'll just lift you up to the Lord and just ask that he just showers his presence, grows you, matures you. If you have a, a need for trust, a need for love, and, and maybe love's been shattered and broken in your life and you need that, that mirror to be restored, God can do that.